Welcome back to Millennial Mental Health. I'm your host, Stephanie Contrahara, licensed professional counselor, and I have with me here today, Arthi Chopra. Arthi, can you introduce yourself? That's right. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. My name is Arthi Chopra, and I am a mindset coach who uses very specific, powerful techniques such as NLP, hypnotherapy, and timeline therapy to nurture a success mindset with individuals and teams and um, really give some amazing breakthrough experiences. I most recently created something called Be Mom Powered. So I'm excited to be here and, and share that with you. Great. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about what motherhood has been like for you as well as how just the past like few years you've developed um, this successful business as well as working on your own mental health along the way and having a, a stronger um, mindset to help you propel yourself into the future. Yeah, for sure. A lot has been going on these past few years. <laughs> Well, my first question here is, being that you are a mother of a small child, how do you balance motherhood, being self-employed, and taking care of yourself? That's a great That's a great question. So I don't know if it is much of a balance, to be honest. Um, it honestly feels, if it more accurately described as a juggling act I, for me. One day I'll wake up well on time, do a nice morning routine, get started on work, even even shower before my little one wakes up. The following day can be completely different. This actually just happened yesterday. Somehow overslept my alarm, woke up to a baby monitor going off because my son was crying for his milk that was not even close to ready yet. So it's different day by day honestly, hour by hour or even moment to moment, I feel like the best way I've heard it described was um, it's actually described by author Nora Roberts, who when asked about the same thing, when asked about how she balances it all, said the key is to juggle, the key is to understand that it's more of a juggling act, to know that some of the balls that are in the air are made of plastic and some are made of glass. So when dropped, some will bounce, others will shatter. I really like the way that she put that. And she went on to continue to, to speak on, no, it doesn't necessarily mean that kids are always that those fragile glass ones and your work and self-care or, or other things are made of plastic, it's it's going to change moment to moment. And we it's up to us. We have to decipher. We have to decide at that point which is which. Yeah, I guess do you feel like the shifting happens always by choice or sometimes by necessity? I would imagine sometimes it's by necessity as well. Yeah, great, great point there. And and there's an ebb and flow to that as well. At times I do have a choice. I will say since becoming a mother, that is more few few and far between. Those moments are, are few and far between versus necessity. Uh, a lot more goes towards the, the necessity type of thing. For example, you know, just when babies do what they do and they're trying to ask you for something, well, it doesn't matter what glass ball or plastic ball you're focusing on at that point. 
yeah, it's go time and, and you need to somehow make it work in the situation that you're in. Yeah, I imagine at times, especially in early motherhood, it kind of feels like you become second priority and, and the child becomes first priority. I was hoping maybe you could speak a little bit to that even because I think a lot of mothers early on experience a lot of anxiety and depression um, because of this kind of shift in importance of, of self. It's a massive shift, massive shift. And I feel like I was really naive to be fully transparent with you and vulnerable here. I was super naive going into motherhood. I have one son, so I'm a first time mom and he just turned one. So very new experience for me. And so a little embarrassing to admit this, to be honest, but I felt like I had a lot more certainty around what my experiences with motherhood would be like than was actually true. So I I feel like a lot of first timers feel the same way is that, oh yeah, I'm going to be, I don't need epidural. It's fine. I can do it naturally. (laughs) I can do naturally. So just the myth that it's true for others. It's not, doesn't mean it's true for me going to happen to others, not necessarily me. So just like you were saying, experiencing the shift and going through something much deeper than just baby blues, you know, depressive episodes, feeling like you are now down your own priority list and not able to focus on your self-care and whatnot. So that that was heavy. It was a, it's, it was a very heavy time. Those first few weeks after postpartum are, it's just very sensitive. And for me, it happened, that all happened during what I would say is the height of the fear surrounding COVID. So it was last, my son was born in June of 2020. So there was a lot of uncertainty surrounding what was going on at the time. And Due to COVID, my husband and I were in in completely different states. I was staying with my parents in Florida, and he was taking care of what he had to for work in Texas. So here I am, the last part of the second trimester and third trimester, and just hoping he can make it for the birth of our son. It it was a lot to process. It was a lot to process and it continues. It's a bit of an emotional roller coaster afterwards. And it, it definitely does feel like, um, it's definitely does feel like there's some sort of identity crisis happening. You're pushed to evolve to such an extent that maybe you weren't expecting because like myself, you maybe were a bit naive and thinking, Oh, I got this. Not that you don't, you eventually can figure it out with some resources, and I'm sure we'll touch on that. But it's different for everybody, and for me, absolutely. I felt I felt that shift. I felt the emotional roller coaster after after giving birth. 
Yeah, I imagine it really challenges a sense of like flexibility or adaptability of like, oh, look, your life used to be like this. And now suddenly it's very, very different. And you have this whole other person to consider with every action or every choice that you make. Um, Yeah, I mean, the only other transition that I could think is even like close to that is maybe like later on in life when, you know, maybe the child becomes like, the parent for their own parents, right? Like that could be another shift of, of caregiving um, that could be fairly dramatic for people. But I would say this is almost like the first time in people's lives having children um, where such a transition is so drastic as this occurs. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly agree. And I don't know if any sort of parenting book can kind of prepare you for that because it's so unique. It's different for everybody that postpartum, well, honestly, even going back a couple of steps, the journey to getting pregnant, the pregnancy experience, giving birth, the postpartum experience, the fourth trimester and thereafter, it's so unique for everybody um, that it's hard to try and create some kind of universal handbook of some kind to be like, oh, this is what's going to happen to you. And this is what you got to do. That's it. And there's there's no way to do that. (laughs) There's no way to do that. It is different for everybody. So just to be able to respect that journey and and support your friends and your loved ones the best way that you feel that you can in that moment is so important. Yeah. Well, mental health is so important to you and your child's well-being. And we've kind of touched on some of those things. Do you have any tips to share with others about what helps you care for your own mental health and maybe even the mental health of your child? Yep. It's, it's really important to find self-care that works for you. Not everything works for everybody. Just like we mentioned before, that experiences within the different phases of becoming a mom to postpartum, fourth trimester and whatnot, those are all incredibly unique. It's not a one size fits all. So same thing with self-care. One person might be more interested in calming techniques of like yoga and breath work, while somebody else may want kickboxing. You know, I, I feel like, so my tip would be, it's more important that whatever you do find and whatever you connect with, you do consistently. Do consistently keep up with it daily if you can. So like I said earlier, there are times where I wake up and I do have minutes and moments for self-care where I do a nice morning routine. And then there are others where I don't get to it until the afternoon. For me, self-care sometimes is just meditation and it's just breathing. And that is cool because I can actually do that even if my child is awake and next to me. In fact, I have done it before and he gets really curious about it and he starts imitating me. And and so it's fun. It's fun for us to, to do that. But also, other than keeping up with it consistently, my tip would be to understand that some of these techniques and some of these methods you're going to wholeheartedly connect with in some seasons of your life or even for some weeks. Like maybe that season's kind of short and 
you're really connecting with it, but it's just kind of temporary. And then later on, you get interested in something else. That's okay. That's okay. That's just, it's just a part of your evolution. And to not feel guilty or to feel bad. Like I have had clients that come to me feeling bad that, oh man, I wasn't able to keep up with this thing for longer than four or five months. And to, they really personalize that and internalize that as if it has something to do with their follow through, their level of commitment. And it's not true. Find something that works for you. Commit to it as much as you can. Be consistent with it. And if that changes, it's okay. Just part of your evolution. Just go with the flow. Yeah, on that note, I kind of want to add, even though I'm not a mom, I think it's really important for me to say this since I'm a therapist of like self-compassion is super important. And that is like, in my opinion, like the top self-care thing you can do for yourself, like be gentle with yourself, have grace for yourself. It's not going to look perfect every day, whether you're a mom or just another human being, like having self-compassion even you can do that without spending any money, without having to go anywhere, without having to like do anything different, except for just being kind to yourself and speaking to yourself in a way um, that invites like love and kindness into your heart rather than like negativity or judgment. Yes, for sure. Mom or not, we're all human and we have these collective human experiences throughout life that can be challenging at times. So self-compassion is definitely the way to go. I agree. So what do you think is the biggest myth or the biggest thing that you've learned um, about being a mother that was unexpected to you? That's right. So I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier in that one of those biggest myths that I, I felt like I took on or exhibited in some some way was to think that I knew more than I actually knew. (laughs) So, and I see this now with even other first time moms or those on their journey to becoming one. And I have compassion for that too. Like we've just touched on compassion. I, I don't judge it. I just have empathy in that they're going through what they have to go through. And then when they do reach out and ask for help, I'm going to be there just the same. But I initially did kind of make the the false assumptions that I was going to be able to handle things in a particular way. I mean, given the fact that a lot of these techniques related to calming and confidence and feeling in control, it's what I do. It's like literally made a career out of this. So it was a bit naive of me to think that I would be somewhat of an exception in relation to challenges that come with motherhood. I do say that I have felt much more equipped to handle them, but no, I still got to handle them and they still exist. I just maybe handle them a little bit differently than others. I will say, however, that having experienced that now I am having experienced those ups and downs and and whatnot as the different stages that my son goes through. I mean, I, I feel like he evolves honestly every day. Having experienced that, 
I'm grateful now. I'm grateful looking back. That early postpartum time is not cute. Like nothing about it is cute. But looking back now, I'm grateful because because it inspired me to create something like Be Mom Powered. Be Mom Powered being a platform, an online platform for moms to be able to put their emotional and mental well-being higher up on that list once again because it's giving you options. You're able to access these short modules, just a handful of modules of techniques that have been adapted for the context of motherhood. Each of the videos, even within the modules, are only three, four minutes long. So like I mentioned, I had my son last June, June of 2020, and leading up to that, usually in your third trimester, that's when you really start feeling like, oh man, I'm. it's called like nesting. It's like, oh, I, I really got to get ready for what's to come. And a lot of women are able to seek out support in person, go to support groups and classes and whatnot. I, I was not able to do that. Oh yeah, so that's, that's just comes along with being able to being inspired to create something like Be Mom Powered. Um, When I was awake at 4 a.m. doing a pump session, maybe those were the only minutes of peace and quiet that I was going to get the whole day. So just to be able to log on and be like, well, maybe I can just watch a short video and kind of work on myself a little bit. If this is the only time I'm going to get for self-care, that's fine. I'm going to take it. So to have a resource like that was my goal after having the experience of needing it. Yeah, I think a lot of people create businesses or create things out of like a necessity, right? Like they feel like they this thing doesn't exist and that's the great, the best thing to create, right? Something that doesn't already exist for people and don't people may not have access to. Um, that's for sure. We are often our ideal client in the beginning. <laughs> we are often our ideal audience already. I think... It's interesting when people from like different fields, whether it's coaching or mental health, people tend to put them on some sort of like pedestal of like, oh, they know all of the skills. So they're like great, at, like all of these things. They should just be experts. But I oftentimes try to, you know, uh, reveal to my clients, like, I don't know everything. Like I maybe know a little bit more than you do. And I may have, you know, some more training and different techniques, you know, compared to someone who hasn't gotten their degree in counseling or hasn't needed to get like continuing education classes or credits, but I'm not like an expert. I'm just here to, to guide you. And that kind of sounds a lot like what mom empowered is. It's kind of you trying to do your best to guide people with the information and knowledge that you have, but sounds like you're vulnerable enough with your clients to say, you know, I don't know everything at the same time. Right. Yeah. I'm also human. I say, I remind them quite often of that because I, I want to model the way, you know, when it comes to to meeting with people, I'm not going to, I don't want to come off as some kind of guru, some kind of hero. No, they're the hero of their story. I'm merely the guide. It's really just about coming up with a resource toolkit. And I want them to slowly be able to build that for themselves. And I know you share that as well. Wanting to, to have people that you work with slowly build a wellness toolkit for themselves so they can become resourceful in those moments 
where they really need to pull at something or another to be able to get themselves back to that ideal state for them, whatever it may be in that moment. So, yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, let me see if I, ha- I think there's one more question. Uh, do you think you'll teach your child about mental health? Um, perhaps more at least than you were aware of as a child. So what I would say to him, and I will continue to say, and it, you know, truly with, I mean, this is, I say this with anybody pretty much I interact with, or I remind older adults or um, encourage youth to learn as well as truly, they don't teach you everything you need to know in school. They don't. I loved school. I'm not bashing it at all. Um, I worked in the education system. I loved school. I was a nerd and I, I still continue to be, but I was that person. I was that kid who used to pretend they were well so they could go to school. They didn't fake sick. They faked being well so they could. So nothing against the education system whatsoever. However, it's not it, it's not the end-all be-all as far, as far as what you need to know in order to be happy in life, in order to be successful in life. Because I actually felt very unprepared emotionally to deal with the day-to-day stresses of adulthood after I graduated grad school. And that's actually what led me to be on the, to set foot on the path that I have now is because I faced those challenges. You know, being so many years in a protective bubble of resources and everything to suddenly be like, well, how do how does this transition to the real world of just paying bills and then going to work and then going home and warming up a meal and watching TV and doing it all over again the next day? You know, so being able to build that happiness, um, that toolkit for myself from scratch after graduating school was incredibly impactful for me. And I want my son to be able to know how to do that and just not expect that school is going to teach him what he needs to know. So I just want him to know that it's, it's super important to invest in your mental health, to talk about it, to be there for someone when they need to talk about it, you know, in the capacity that he can be. And of course, family and stuff is going to be there for him, but that it's his responsibility to make it a priority too, you know? So just overall knowing that the investment in, in your level of mental toughness and being resilient, your level of mind power is incredibly worthwhile. And it may not be taught at, at school, but there are other resources out there to be able to do that. And it, it's worth looking into yeah, I I just want to say I think there is like something being taught in school, if not more and more parents are. I recently did a, a little presentation for a bunch of 10 and 12 year olds and they knew so much about mental health and therapy. I was floored by that because at 10 and 12, I can tell you, I didn't even know anything about therapy and the fact that they knew like different like schools of thought, it was like, what is happening right now? Like they literally just used the word neurofeedback. Like what? This kid is like 11 years old. I am really impressed. So, you know, I think that there is more and more education being delivered, even if it's not necessarily like in school, maybe it's in like programs that they're in outside of school, or maybe it's just their parents or things that they're seeing on TV. So 
I'm really hopeful for the future and I hope everyone um, considers like taking time to invest in teaching their kid and kids uh, possibly for future uh, things about mental health and um, about the importance of like caring for that as as much as they would, you know, if they had a a physical um, symptom. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. I'm, I'm happy you were able to experience that. And I do, I agree with you. It's coming from passionate, compassionate parents when it comes to these sorts of things. It's like, yeah, you're, the mental health, the environment that you nurture at home surrounding mental and emotional well-being is exactly what they're going to take with them. And so what, with them in terms of when they grow up, is what I mean. Like you're passing that along. It's some some of these things can be generational. So that's wonderful. I hope it continues in that direction and more people advocate for it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking your time to be on today's podcast. I know you're a busy lady and have a lot of juggling to, to do on a daily basis. So I really appreciate you taking time. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.